Mess It Up podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's Biker Chick and the Bowtie Guy. Welcome to the Mess It Up podcast. This is show number 54, I believe. No, 55. Holy cow, I just messed it up that soon into the thing. I am the Bowtie Guy. I'm the biker chick. And uh, we are here in season number two doing our thing. Uh, our our word of the week this week, I'm going to jump on it right away because I kind of like this one, is miasma. And uh, are you familiar with miasma? No. It's like when we exercise is I get miasma. No, <laughs> I was waiting for it. All. I was yeah. waiting for it. It's a, it's a highly pleasant or unhealthy smell or vapor or just like an atmosphere. And sometimes... I feel like I get caught in a miasma of just nonsense and goofiness and peculiarity. And so I thought, oh, miasma, that's a fun one. Nice. I'm going to do it. Absolutely. I had, I think I was listening to, uh, I was listening to another podcast um, uh, called Slow Burn and they were talking about the uh, Watergate uh, hearings and fiasco with that and they came up or they said the word miasma and I was like oh gosh I'm driving through Utah to go see my granddaughter and I was like okay Bev put that down listen to Bev in California uh, I had her put it into the, the notes to use as a, a future word of the week so miasma if you can use it in a sentence you know effectively give yourself the bonus points that you deserve Absolutely. And I, I'd be curious to see if anyone can use that in a sentence. Yeah. Well, naturally. Uh, it was funny there because I took a sip and Christina's looking at me and so she's like, okay, my turn to talk. Right. Uh, as you know, if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know. Paul talks. I yeah, listen. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Mess It Up podcast with the microphone hog and Christina. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, uh, that's what was going on there. Um, I've had a big week. And I've got things that uh, just recently that, that kind of went through my brain in the last two days that I wanted to do. So I'm kind of hijacking the show and, and running in a different direction than maybe we were going to run. But it's the direction we're going. Part of me thinks we ought to call this uh, podcast Listen In because it's just listening to a couple of people talk. Yeah. And I like that, that it's not, you know, mapped out and, and roadmap. So maybe I'll do the Listen In podcast at some point. I do have a couple of podcasts that I'm going to be working on, though. In my brain, I've got to take it to a more finalized state. But those I'll let you know when I get there. Um, but one of them is going to be the Still in Beta podcast. Here goes Paul yeah. with all his ideas. Yeah. There and, he goes. Uh, Watch him go. And I'll let you know when that one comes out. But that one is going to be my book that I wrote mm -hmm. called Still in Beta. Right. And I'm going to give one chapter a week in a podcast uh, for free. So over a period of however many chapters I've got, you'll be able to collect the entire audio version of my uh, podcast. And if you bring me your audio device, I will sign it so you can have an autographed copy of the book. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, anyhow, this last weekend, I went to a, an event in Bakersfield. And for the last several years, Prison Fellowship Ministries has declared the month of April as second chance month or second chances month. So we want to give people second chances and the people at prison fellowship have worked with governors to get them to declare second chances month in their states. And just this year, 2019, um, president Trump also announced it as national second chances month for the month wow. of April. So, uh, pretty exciting in the, uh, the prison fellowship world. 
And we had a, an event in Bakersfield last Friday and a lady was talking about what Prison Fellowship does and just kind of giving some overviews of the ministries of Prison Fellowship. Perhaps the most noticeable one that, that most people tend to recognize is Angel Tree, where right. uh, inmates, uh, the children of inmates, incarcerated people, get Christmas gifts uh, from Prison Fellowship. And uh, so that's one that's been going around and a lot of people participate in that and might not even realize that it's Prison Fellowship that does that. But, you know, that's the, the big, you know, spotlight event. But the one that's dear to my heart is called Prison Fellowship Academy. And that's a program that I am working with and uh, facilitate in our local prison. And they were talking about the fact that there are 1,719 adult prisons in America, only 66 prison fellowship academies for males, 33 for females in this country. And that just seemed to me like, wow, that's, that's sad. You know, there's, there's so much of a need and I'm honored to be part of that little, you know, tiny bit and out on the bleeding edge. But it was just something that really amazed me that we're not doing more. And I was, I've been spending a lot of time this weekend as I've been driving, spent a lot of miles on the road this weekend. And I wanted to just kind of explore why you know, what we feel about our, our, our prisoners, our incarcerated people, you know, the, the, the inmates around the country, mm -hmm. because it seems like there's two different approaches to prison and right. prisoners. One of them being that they are locked away and keep them away from society. And the longer they're gone, the better off we are. The other one is that at some point they're getting out. So we should rehabilitate them in some way. Right. Now, the people who re believe in rehabilitation seem to believe that people can change. And the people who just want to lock away, I think also, and this is painting with a broad brush, but I think right. generally speaking, it's fair to say that they don't believe that people can change. Right. And everything we do in ministry is about change mm -hmm. in people. So I just wanted to look at that idea of change and what it is that makes people think they can change or that change can be possible. Um, and how do we get people to change? What can we do to increase uh, society's belief in giving second chances? Here we are at the end of the month. I probably would have been better at the beginning of the month. But um, good. it's good to look back and yeah. see what's up. So what do you think? I mean, I'm going out on a limb and saying because you're in a recovery ministry, because we turn messes into messages, that you do believe that at some point, at least some people have a capacity to change. Is that a fair a statement of your outlook? My outlook, yeah, absolutely. And have you always been that way? Oh, yeah. Um, so... Is, is, is there something that kind of led you toward that? That Because like I can look at my father and say that he's the one that instilled me with the belief that people can be better, that they can change, that we can make a better world by making better people. Uh, is that uh, something from your youth that you were brought up with or something that you came upon? Or is there someone you can point to and say, this is the person that really made me see the value in people changing? Or the possibility. I honestly couldn't pinpoint it. I have no idea. Just been there. It's just been kind of part of, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I always felt that way. Looking back, 
I was pretty messed up for a while, so I wasn't even sure if I could change, I don't think. Is there a difference between thinking other people can't and thinking you can? Is that is that two separate decisions? I don't think so. I think once I learned that I was capable of it, then that kind of went out to everybody else. I just... See, that's I don't know. completely backwards for me because I always believed and hoped and saw the best in people, but I thought, you know, myself, once a failure, always a failure. I didn't think that I would be able to do the change. And I don't know if that's because, I, well, I'm not positive why, but I think that it goes to the idea of I judge other people by what I see, but I can't hear their thoughts. Right. But I judge myself on what I see and what I'm thinking. And I can hear the doubt in my own head, but all I see in other people is me cheering them on because I'm such a a puppy dog and an optimist that I'm cheering them on. So I think, of course, Christina could change. Of course, Billy down the road could change. Of course, these people could change. But when it comes down to the bow tie guy, Paul's never going to change. He's, you know, that's, that's, he just locked into what he's doing. Right. So I think I think it was two separate decisions for me about change. And I think a lot of it I didn't want to change. I think I think now that I'm open to change and see I can also understand why people don't change though. I think there's an understanding just in my heart overall. I think some people don't have the desire to change and I can kind of understand that because I can look at their situations and go, maybe they weren't raised that way. Maybe they didn't have an event. Maybe they didn't have Christ to come into their life and say, hey, it's time for a change. Because that's when all mine started. I knew that I needed to change, but I didn't know how to change. And so I was kind of frozen until Christ came along and was like, hey, kiddo, let's do this. I think Christ is a huge, huge element of it. I, I think that um, that substantive long-term change without Christ is very problematic supposition to have. Absolutely. I agree with that completely. And I I think that um, you mentioned that there's reasons that people don't change. And what I see is sometimes I didn't want to change because, first of all, I was pretty arrogant and I thought what I was doing was fine and okay. Right. And I didn't see the need for the change. I was happy with my mess and I didn't see it as such. I saw it as success. I had my eyes on the wrong prize. And right. I think that's a big part of getting people to change is to get them to, to change their focus. Um, but I think a lot of it was a fear of this is what I am. This is what I do. If I take that away, am I me anymore? Am I anything? Or will I throw myself away with that uh the downfalls of that. Uh, I, I think back to the movie and the book, uh, a clockwork orange and Kubrick shows us, you know, this, this guy who's run amok and he's not a model of good citizenship. Right. Yet when they drug him and, 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 and pulverize his self, he's manageable, but at what cost we, we sacrificed him for the manageability. And I, that struck me when I, you know, came across that concept in that movie in college. And I've always thought, okay, I want to work with that person that's there and not lose that person. I want to, I want to fix or, you know, improve the behavior, but I don't want to do it at the cost of the person right? ultimately. And so I, I think that's 
a mindset that I can get into is like, what am I if I'm not this? When I got out of prison, I wasn't a teacher anymore. And that's what I was. Right. It wasn't something I did. It was what I was. It was my identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the reason I love the identification of Christ in our CR introductions is that that's who I am. You, you're never going to take that away from me. Right. You might take away my job. You might take away my livelihood, my ability to walk. You won't extricate Christ from this cat right here at all. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Exactly. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, one of the classes I teach and I'm going to be teaching uh, tonight, uh, after we do this, I'm going off to the prison. I teach a class called the change plan. And we're looking at trying to get people to understand that they can make a change in their behavior, their criminal behavior specifically in this class. But it's such a difficult thing to go from the abstract and the, just the, the mental gymnastics that we do is say, okay, I think it's possible, but now, okay, can I actually apply it to me? Can I internalize it and make right. it concrete? That's a huge one. And I, I see that with myself. And then I see that with my students in the prison. It's just like, all right, I see what I need to Yeah. I just, I need to stay away from this people, this group of people. I need to stay away from this place. I need to stop doing these activities. And it seems so easy to point to the things we shouldn't do, but then doing them or not doing them right. on a consistent basis, you know, because if you do it nine times, but then you go back that 10th time and ultimately now you've dropped back down to that, that thing. And that's, it's disheartening for me to see that, you know, I feel like I need to continue. Like, uh, I I always liken it to, you know, people say, well, I'm doing better. I say, well, you know, Charles Manson, if he killed, you know, 10 people this year, next year, he only kills one. That's better. But is he successful in not killing people? I don't like that though, because I think you take the victories away with that mentality. Because if somebody continues to try and try their best Mm -hmm. and they're sober for nine days and they drink a beer, that doesn't set them back to the same place they were from the get go. That just means that they've got to start from a different place that they were at. Right. And then they continue forward. Same thing with anger or pride or porn or anything. Right. You know, killing somebody is obviously. There's scales the of that. You're right. Degree. Yeah, yeah. But I think if you steal somebody's victory of, hey, you made it 10 days, just because you screwed up this once doesn't mean that you can't start again. Right. And I am Mr. Blue Chip. Except for with myself. Yeah, that's not fair to you. I know. I, I crush myself in those things. Anybody else? I, I have friends and, you know, part, members of my forever family. It's like, hey, I've been sober for three months. Oh, I fell off the wagon. Okay. Come right. here. I give you a hug. I'll, I'll punch you in your shoulder while I'm giving you the hug. But all right, let's, we're day one. We're at minute one, you mm-hmm. know, and let's do it again. And then the next week, hey, I fell off again. Oh. And, and I have one person in my life that I'm thinking of that in the last three years, we've gone through probably 10 relapses. Right. And still love them. Yeah. And celebrate that blue chip that first time, that, that day one again. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy. But for me, I'm so much harder on myself. So much harder. And I think it comes down to I know my motives and I judge myself differently. I think that's a shame. Yes. Honestly. Because I think, you know, we always hear that give them grace, give them grace, give them grace. We deserve just as much grace as we give out to others. You know, our our motives may be the same as somebody else's. But when you look at that person, you can give them 
love and understanding. And so being able to look in the mirror and say, hey, you're just as screwed up as that guy. I'm going to love you and give you grace no matter what. Yeah. And I want that from people for myself. Yeah. I just don't. Don't do it for yourself. Yeah. But not as much. Sounds like something you can work on there, Paul. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You know what I'm going to work on it? When? Uh, After the break. Because right now, we are going to take a break. We're going to let you listen to our song of the week, which is a song by Micah Tyler called Even Then. And uh, hopefully you like it. We will come back and I will do my best not to come back from the break with the word so. So here's Micah Tyler with Even Then. back after the song and I love Micah Tyler. I saw Micah Tyler just a couple weeks ago open for Mercy Me and David Crowder. Fantastic. But I've loved him since I've heard his music because of the hope that he puts in and his songs just speak hope to me. The the verse that really jumps out at me here is uh, like the second verse. It says, when the days up ahead look a little bit brighter, which I love, but the grip of the past holds a little tighter. Mm-hmm. That happens to mm-hmm. me is that I reminded your grace never asked for perfection. I'm restored because I'm yours and I stand forgiven. And just like we were talking about before, I need to remember that for myself that, you know, I'm God's favorite and I didn't used to believe it. I truly, honestly, I say it all the time, but I really, really, really believe that God loves me the most now because he's just, he's pretty enamored with what I do uh, for him. And because I'm his boy, he just, you know, digs me. And that's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. He should dig you because you're pretty diggable. Aww. There, I'm just going to let everyone know. There's a fly in the studio. I've broken out my, my salt gun. So if you hear mayhem going on, there'll be a miasma of death as I kill this fly in the studio with my salt gun. And if you want to see the salt gun, Paul, where are you going to post it? You got to take a picture of that bad boy. I'm going to put this bad boy on our, uh, it'll be on our Twitter, on our Instagram and on our Facebook page. Yeah. So check those, those places out. And, um, if you hashtag it and repost it, 
uh, it, it's going to be worth coffee to someone. I'll, I'll get somebody a $5 Starbucks card for reposting my, uh, my assault gun uh, on this fly. So, yeah. So I said there were a couple things uh, that stood out to me this week. And uh, the first one was just that idea of change. Mm -hmm. The second one is uh, noise from my computer in the middle of a podcast. Always. Uh, Yeah, that's great. Um, The second one is looking at what we do as Christians and wondering if we are marching in step as an army of Christ or if we're stomping on other people's stuff and we're completely out of sync with each other. And I think sometimes we're in step, but I had an episode happen this weekend where I found out that even though I think there might be sync, it's not that way at all. And I was talking at the prison uh, with some of the uh, people in my class and there's a, uh, a person that they follow uh, that is a mentor to them. And that person does not like the program that I'm doing because they believe that you need to stay true to the doctrine that you believe and the dogma that you believe. So they're very entrenched in, it sounds like, and I've not met this person. So Uh I'm painting again with a broad brush, which might not be fair, but that this is what they believe doctrinally. And if somebody comes in opposition to that, it is if somebody comes into op- their, their belief that it was presented to me is that if somebody comes in opposition to my belief system, it is incumbent on me to stand up for my belief system and argue for what I believe, to not compromise, to not allow that other person's belief to override mine. And the way that it sounds, the way that it was put to me is that this person is an extremist in that situation yeah. where it's like, you don't associate with people of other denominational beliefs if there's a doctrinal difference on it. For instance, um, this person I'm told doesn't associate with Catholics because the Catholics have a different belief system and he disagrees with it from a doctrinal standpoint and he thinks that it's unbiblical some of the stuff and so he won't associate with them. He'll completely not let them in because associating with them is... And these are the words that were given to me by his uh, people is losing your edge. And so I have a person in my class that was talking about being in my class to this person. And then that person talked to another person and said, oh, so-and-so is losing his edge. We've lost one of our brothers because he's associating with other things. And he disagrees with what he takes to be stances of the the curriculum that I'm presenting, although I don't know if he's actually physically seen the curriculum. I think he's making some judgments, but he he seems like an isolationist. And it's easy when you look at the extreme Mm -hmm. to see, you know, problems in it. And, and I immediately, you know, brought up, well, what about, you know, great commission, go to the ends of the earth and get all people. How do we get new Christians if we don't ever associate with people who don't already believe what we believe? What's the, what's the point? We're just playing patty cake and having a club. Well, I can understand not letting people speak into your life, not being in your inner five people who you fellowship with, who you seek wisdom from, who counsel you from a biblical standpoint. 
I can see keeping those people to a certain standard per se, if that's what you would like to do. Like I'm only going to let Billy Joe over here speak into my life because he believes strictly those things that I believe. Mm -hmm. However, you know, Susie over here that you met at the coffee shop the other day who believes something totally different isn't going to be speaking into your life. You're going to be associating with her and that's your opportunity to get to know her and love her and show her who Jesus is. Right. So I can understand differentiating between your innermost close circle and the rest of the world, if you have it that way. But I don't understand just isolating yourself from everybody because if you're letting everybody speak into your life, that's your problem. Like, you need to stop that. If you're letting everybody that you associate with affect you in some way or another, that's your problem too. Like, there needs to be some sort of maturity in yourself to be able to associate with people who don't believe the same things. Or to me, it's a salvational type issue. If it doesn't affect my salvation or if it's, if it's the same Jesus, you know, cause I know that there's a lot of different religions out there that share different, they all believe in Jesus, but that who Jesus is and where he came from is very different mm-hmm. from one religion to another. So I think drawing lines and saying, okay, I'm not going to let you speak into my life because your Jesus is very different than mine. Your Jesus comes from this place. Mine comes from the Trinity. Like, so there's, I can see those things, but just to isolate yourself based on the trivial matters. It seems to me, I usually associate that type of behavior with people who are not confident in what they believe. Right. Uh, That they don't feel that. that their, their belief system can take the shock of someone challenging it. Um, and, when people get belligerent about their beliefs, a lot of times that's just to make people shut up so that they don't challenge them, uh, has been my experience as well. And I, I personally, I just don't have a lot of time for that. I love, I have a a really good friend who's listening in Texas right now, Jordan. Mm -hmm. He and I are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, probably have never voted for the same person for a major office, city council, you know, tax commissioner, I mean, insurance commissioner, maybe, but governor, senator, that kind of stuff, president, I bet you we've never voted the same, Right. but we could sit and talk politics for hours because we're not, we're, we're just presenting our viewpoint right? and considering it. And I have made things that have made him do the dog tilt. And he's presented things to make me do the dog tilt and, and hear things. Um, I, you know, the reason I have a house over my head is because of public education. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, we need cough buttons. Um, my wife has taught public school for years. I taught public schools and that's where our money, you know, our income came from. So to say that I believe in public schools is... Pretty solid. Yeah, I, I believe in the public school system and it's not perfect, but but I believe in it. So obviously homeschool must be the enemy. Well, one of my closest friends, Kayla, who's also listening, is a homeschooled person. And she was able to talk to me and give me some insight about homeschooling that I had never really considered because I just hadn't heard that perspective. And if I hadn't taken the time to talk to a person who believes something different than me, I would have never had the enlightenment that she gave me. Right. And I'm a better person because of that enlightenment. So I just, I get afraid when we shut ourselves off and I, I agree. We don't want to, you know, go and bathe 
in a pool of another faith. You know, I, 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 I don't know any Satanists, but I, I wouldn't be like, Hey, we should have dinner every night and talk about religion, right. you know, with that. But if I'm a Baptist and I want to have dinner with a Nazarene or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, a person in a holiness church and I want to have dinner with a person who's, uh, charismatic. I don't see that. Like you said, that's not a salvation issue. Right. And even within like the, the charismatic movement, you have people who are hardcore about gifts and especially the, you know, the, the buzz one is tongues. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't let that kill my faith. I don't let that kill my fellowship. Right. I don't let that isolate me because I don't see it as when I go and stand in front of God, I don't think he's going to say, attaboy, right. way to cause some dissension on that. I just don't think that's what he's calling us to do. I think he calls us to be salt and light. And Absolutely. if all I do is keep my salt in the salt shaker with the rest of the salt, it never gets flavor or in the gun. Yeah. She just pointed to the assault gun. It never gets used for anything other than a paperweight and a dust collector. Right. Yeah. So I concur. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, this was a fast half hour. It was. It I'm flew by. Just blown away. You were busy we're talking. Already. Well, you know, welcome <laughs> to the listen in podcast. You had a lot of good stuff to say, Paul. <laughs> you know, it's all God. Uh, it is all completely God and uh, Jesus is my life that uh, allows me to do anything. So I am supremely thankful to him. The other people that I'm thankful for, and two, I guess, would be our patrons. Absolutely. So I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the Patreon uh, account that we have, not account, uh, page that we have. We're on Patreon. And so with Patreon, you can support us financially to say, hey, good job. I like what you're doing. I want to make it so you can continue to do this. And unfortunately, it takes money to do this. So for as little as a dollar a month, people can go to our website and contribute to our Patreon um, account. You can do $5 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month. There's all sorts of different levels that you can do. We just spent, Christine and I, and you might've seen it if you follow us on Instagram, we were making up our uh, window stickers and our iron-ons for our, um, our t-shirts and our shop towels uh, that you get for being a member on Patreon. You'll also be getting some uh, exclusive videos and hopefully some exclusive uh, outtakes and extended interviews when we have interviews with people by being a Patreon member. So go to MessItUpPodcast.com. There's a button down kind of on the left-hand side of the bottom of the page that says, Become a Patron. Click on that and it'll take you to our Patreon page and that'll show you what to do. We'd love to have you help sponsor the show. And honestly, a couple hundred people listening out there every week, if half of those people gave $1 a month, that would really cover a lot of bills for the show and make it so we could do a lot of um, pretty cool things. Absolutely. So we appreciate that. We're also, as Christina said, on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on Twitter. Look for Mess It Up uh, on those different platforms and you'll find us uh, on those platforms. And we'd love to have you follow us, get involved in the conversation and uh, share with your friends. Be part of the community. The final way that you can get a hold of us is through email. Email? We have Really? Yes. We have three of the, and E stands for electronic. Uh, so you're not putting a stamp on it and sticking it in the mailbox. You are just sending it through the interwebs from your computing device to our computing device. And if you want to tell me, Paul, maybe it's time for you to let Christina talk, you should send me an email at bowtieguy 
at messituppodcast.com. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email bikerchick at messituppodcast.com. And if you want to get a hold of intern Dave, uh, he is monitoring our info at messituppodcast.com. And he lets us know those things that are just general questions or suggestions. I want to thank Pastor Dan in Portland for giving us the song of the week for last week. Uh, He said he was listening and he was very thrilled to hear that. So way to go, Pastor Dan. If you want to get a mention like listener Bev in California or Pastor Dan in uh, Portland, Oregon, send us a note. Give us a word of the week. Give us a song of the week. And uh, we love to have your help. This is a family show. So thanks for being part of the family. Keep on listening and uh, we'll see you next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.